The OCD and Anxiety Podcast by Robert James Coaching. Hello and welcome to the OCD and Anxiety Podcast, where we explore how to have a more positive relationship with anxiety disorders, taking back control so that you can start living the life you choose and not the one chosen by your fears. Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the podcast. This week I interview Chris Jones. Chris is a clinical social worker uh, from Kansas, USA, and he's the owner of Fully Connected Counselling. He primarily works with um, adolescents and adults with a range of mental health problems, including anxiety. Uh, Today we discuss in detail uh, the problems of social anxiety, and we look at uh, how a lot of social anxiety is based around avoidance, not wanting to deal with difficult situations or difficult people or difficult things. We discuss many tools and techniques for, for dealing with social anxiety. And Chris shares lots of really interesting anecdotal stories of his experiences of, of helping people with anxiety problems. It's a really interesting topic because if you're someone who struggles with anxiety or OCD, you know that uh, often you know, social anxiety can come up as a bit, a bit of a problem, even if it's not the main focus of uh, the anxiety that you struggle with. Uh, We all have occasions in our lives when in a social situation, maybe we feel some anxiety or we feel, you know, like we want to kind of get out of that situation or, you know, somehow run away from it. And Chris discusses how actually the most important thing is to try to do the opposite, to try to stay there and learn how to deal with those difficult emotions. If you'd like to know more about Chris, you can check out his website, fullyconnectedcounseling.com, or you can check him out on Instagram at Chris underscore fully connected remember if you'd like to know more about me and my coaching services then do please get in touch Uh, you can find me on instagram at robert james coaching uk or you can check out my website www.robertjamescoaching.com many thanks and i really hope you enjoy the episode hi there chris welcome to welcome to the podcast yeah thank you thank you and so to start off with, I just wanted um, just wanted if you if you could tell us a little bit more about yourself, please. Okay, so I am a licensed therapist here in the United States, and I am a you know clinical social worker. Actually, I'm a master's. I have my master's degree in social work, but I haven't yet passed my clinical exam. But when I do, I'll be a clinical social worker, and I work primarily with adolescents and adults dealing with depression and uh, defiant disorders and uh, anxiety okay okay and um and so you're so you're almost finished your studies but you're not you're not quite there yet is that right right so the studies are finished it's just i have to kind of you know pass the clinical exam so you know i kind of even deal with some anxiety myself so i've always dealt with test anxiety so you know i think i i took a when was the last time i took the test about a couple weeks back missed it by like two points (laughs) really uh, oh yeah (laughs) Missed about two points, so I kind of beat myself up a little bit. But I think, you know, when I saw your page and whatnot, I realized, you know, I think as a clinician, you know, we all kind of deal with our own anxiety. And I just kind of want to be transparent, you know, with my anxiety to be able to help, you know, other uh, patients and people out there worldwide who suffer with anxiety. Yeah, I think that's really good, actually. I think there's quite a lot of uh, therapists out there these days who actually do struggle with their own anxiety problems. And, you know, obviously that then can be helpful for them in their in their work. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Yes. And then so, even with COVID-19 here, you know, that's given a lot of people anxiety as well. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, people maybe who haven't even kind of had anxiety before in the past might suddenly be experiencing it now because of, of genuine concerns to do with COVID-19, no? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So why did you decide to become a clinical social worker? 
Oh, well, I decided to kind of get into clinical practice just because of, uh, I actually was in therapy myself when I was at a young age around high school and early college. And, you know, I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do with my life. And, uh, you know, I was dealing with different, you know, family dynamic issues and, you know, anxiety, as I talked about before. And I just, you know, I felt like, you know, therapy was a good place for me to kind of really figure out who I am and, you know, from going to therapy from, you know, a couple of years out and I realized how helpful it was for me, I decided, you know, maybe uh, I'll become a therapist. And now I'm on the other side of the room. <laughs> I used to yeah. be on the couch. Now I'm in the chair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so um, focusing today, I wanted to focus a little bit on, on social anxiety. And um, I, want, I wanted to kind of talk to you about kind of what are some of the wa warning signs that somebody has um, social anxiety? So uh, social anxiety is also kind of similar to avoidant personality disorder. And yep. sometimes I even see you know, some of the clients that I work with who say, oh, I have social anxiety. You know, it's, you can be, you know, meet the criteria for avoidant personality disorder. But social anxiety pretty much is, you know, or just anxiety in general is just when you have a, you know, a fear to escape the present moment. Mm. And when you're in a social setting and you don't feel like being there, you think about or visualize, you know, either being somewhere else. And once you do that, you get out of the present moment. And then when you're in the present moment, I mean, when you're not in the present moment, you're going to feel a lot of anxiety. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And and even like kind of what you, we were talking about before we started about, you know, how you said the Wim Hof, uh, the ice baths and uh, kind of really embracing it, you know, it kind of brings you right to the present moment. So people who are dealing with social anxiety, if anybody's dealing with social anxiety listening, you know, I would kind of recommend to just, you know, there's something called exposure therapy. And what that is, is you just kind of gradually, you know, expose yourself to that fear. So yeah. I worked with a client and he had fears of, you know, uh, crowds before COVID-19. Now we all <laughs> have fears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, he had fears of, you know, big grocery stores, you know, any, any place like that, the mall, uh, you know. And I told him, you know, how about you just you know, go to the grocery store for, you know, just for about three minutes and, you know, just work your way up to hours. So I told him to go there for three minutes and then just leave and then come back, you know, maybe the next day and stay there for five minutes. And then eventually, you know, you work your way up to 35 minutes and then maybe an hour and then you forget that you're even there. Okay. So, so gradually exposing themselves to, to, the, to the situations that they're feel fearful of is uh -huh. is definitely the way to to deal with these problems just like the cold showers <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 no it was, it was interesting before the podcast we were obviously mentioning about moving towards discomfort and we were relating that to the wim hof method uh which oh, is obviously yeah. something that i'm quite interested uh in and we were talking about how you can you know taking an ice bath as horrible as that sounds uh it can be it can actually be quite helpful because yeah. Um, so often we hear about, you know, okay, you have to, you have to learn how to accept anxiety and right. it gets frustrating because we think, well, what on earth does that mean? How do I, how do I do that? How do I accept anxiety? Mm -hmm. And so taking an ice bath is actually quite a good way to be able to le learn and practice acceptance because obviously mm -hmm. you don't want to be getting in an ice bath. You don't want to feel oh, yeah. the discomfort and the cold that you're going to uh, experience from it. But by right. by persisting with it and allowing yourself to feel that, um, you know, to feel that discomfort, you're actually learning physically to, to practice acceptance. And I think you can exactly. then apply that to, to other areas of life, like social anxiety, for example. Exactly. And I remember even, uh, you know, a book I'm reading, I can't remember the author's name, but it's called In, uh, Indistractable. And the author talks about how all human behavior you know, comes from the desire to want to escape discomfort. Mm. So most of the things that, well, according to him, uh, I think his first name is Nir, N-I-R, and he talks about how, you know, we want to, everything we do is, all behavior 
and psychological behavior is to, dis to escape discomfort. So when you're thirsty, you drink water. When you're bored, you check your Facebook. Uh, when you're tired, you lay down. When you feel uh, angry, you might kind of clench your fists. So every behavior we do is not, you know, like how Freud talks about is the pleasure seeking. We do things to seek pleasure, but in reality, we really kind of do things to avoid feeling uncomfortable. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So, <laughs> yeah. So like we go to work, you know, back when I was, you know, you know, working, I had a boss, you know, you go to work, even though you don't want to go to work, but the uncomfortable feeling of, oh, well, what will happen if I get fired and if I can't pay my rent? So <laughs> you do that behavior to avoid the ultimate discomfort of losing your job. But yeah. Uh, yeah. when you like talk about the ice baths, when you kind of get comfortable with being uncomfortable, everything changes. Absolutely. Yeah. You can start applying it to, to other areas of your life. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, I really agree with this, with, with this idea. What did you say the name of that book was? Cause I want oh, it's to called indistractable. Uh, indistractable. Let me see if I can look up. I forget what the author's name is real quick. I just uh, recently started reading it. And also he was on a, uh, I saw him on London Real. And uh, he talked about, I think his name is, let me see real quick. I know the internet connection here in the States is not the best probably out there in Barcelona. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's not too bad, but. It's, uh, his name is Nir Eyal. I think he pronounces it that way, but it's N-I-R- E-Y-A-L. His last name is E-Y-A-L. And it's called Indistractable. How to Control Your Attention and Choose Your Life. And he's, uh, he, I believe he's in marketing and, he, you know, studies the psychological behavior of, you know, how people, uh, you know, purchase items and whatnot. But so what he talks about a little bit in the book, in the book so far, what I read is, you know, distraction is, you know, something that you're because really look at the word traction and it's about kind of you pull yourself towards something that's what traction yeah. means yeah so yeah you're distracted distracted you're just pulling yourself towards something else that maybe is not what you're you know really should be focused on but it's all yeah. comes from motive and interest you know so once you get your motive and interest in order then you can really try to zoom in and focus in on what it is that you want. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I really agree with that. hundred percent true. Um, and, and also I think it relates to kind of escapism with, you know, kind of uh, alcohol and drugs as well, for example. No? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. And you also mentioned how um, social anxiety is similar to, avoidant personality disorder. I don't really know too much about avoidant personality disorder. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, please? Yeah, so avoidant personality disorder, what it is, is it's a personality disorder, kind of just like, you know, OCD, which you're pretty familiar about. And it's just kind of, once again, another discomfort feeling, you know, something you do and it, and really kind of, it comes from a social contract, contract context and it's pretty much like, you know, the fear of rejection. Yeah. So you avoid, you know, say you avoid going to the gym because you're, you know, fearful of how other people might perceive you or you're you avoid going to uh, parties because, you know, you just uh, you're scared of being rejected. So you yeah. just you have a personality of you avoid things because of fear. And mm -hmm. a lot of the time, sometimes, you know social anxiety is more of that phobia more of a very uh, specific you know fear of social settings you you just really you really just dislike but avoidant personality is very similar and it's kind of less of a, a a label for some for some people as well because it's like avoidant personality a lot of people i believe have it you know a lot of, especially adolescent clients that i work with who still trying to figure out who they are and their body going through different ho uh, hormones and puberty and they may avoid certain certain things or maybe just avoid certain settings and sometimes the setting might be social or sometimes it might be avoiding you know doing something so it's very similar yeah it's really interesting yeah i think um certainly something that 
I can relate to when I was, you know, particularly when I was growing up, you know, like kind of in my late teens and kind of, you know, early 20s, I was definitely avoiding things that would give me any anxiety at all. And unfortunately, as we know, when we do that, you know, we may initially get some relief from the anxiety and that's why we do it. It feels, it feels good. We feel slightly better. But in the long exactly. run, it, it doesn't help us at all. It, it yeah it really doesn't and the main difference there really between avoidant personality disorder and social anxiety disorder is just pretty much that that somebody who has social anxiety you know their fears are they they often know that their fears are irrational and people with avoidant personality disorder believe that you know they're inferior to other people once again that rejection or not feeling good enough so sometimes you know when you think about that you know there's so many people nowadays with nowadays with social media they avoid you know i because i know people who avoid getting on facebook and instagram just because you know they want to avoid that rejection because they maybe they don't look a certain way and they know they may not get enough likes or whatnot on their post so they just yeah. avoid social media altogether and yeah. you know somebody with social anxiety is like they know that their <laughs> fears are irrational you know and they just avoid that social setting. But avoiding personality disorder, I feel like it's kind of more of when people say social anxiety, I feel like that's more of what people are trying to say. Just kind of like how people say uh, split personality disorder is really, uh, you know, classified as something else nowadays as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So you, do you find working with, you know, working with younger people as you do, do you find that social media these days is, is playing a big role in, in mental health? Oh, yeah, it, it most definitely is. And even the uh, former president of Facebook and some of those you know chief executives of Facebook, they'll flat out and just tell you in different interviews, like how uh, disrupt dis, you know, how disruptive it is to our health. Mm. And, uh, they'll, you know, you can look up, I forget what his name is, but he's one of the former presidents of Facebook. A lot of the ones are just kind of you know, whistleblowing, you know, what Facebook is doing and their intentions to why they met it, made it is because, you know, Mark Zuckerberg talked about in the C-SPAN how uh, data is more valuable than gold. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he said that data is more valuable than gold. Like if you have data on somebody, you know, you can know, uh, like, for example, like I was kind of, I was Googling things because I was like, oh man, I'm getting older. Like I just turned 28 couple weeks ago I feel like my hair is thinning out so I looked up some stuff about you know <laughs> hair loss and now yeah. when I'm on Instagram all I see is these hair loss products and I'm just like man I just looked up one thing and yeah. now I see this everywhere you know? it's incredible isn't it it really feels <laughs> sometimes like they, they they have to be listening they clearly are listening to conversations you oh, know yeah. maybe maybe not actively listening to the conversation but something is able to to listen and hear and pick out certain words because exactly. that happens all the time. I have a conversation about something. And then the next thing I know is that thing pops up. Uh, there's an advert yeah. on, on something. And I'm like, what? Where's that come from? That's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> and really, it, it feels ridiculous. But I mean, they'll tell you if you read the foreign print, like on those like Alexa devices and whatnot, they'll tell you like we're always recording. <laughs> yeah. Like if you read some of the foreign print and a lot of it is because all technology is born out of warfare. You know, most of our modern technology comes from warfare, you know, so look at GPS tracking devices, uh, cell phones, uh, just any like cameras, televisions were kind of started from the Nazis. It's all based out of warfare. Yeah. And that's why the military is always 40 years ahead of, you know, the average citizen because of defense purposes. And you know, some people feel like some of the technology might even be re, you know, uh, re-engineered by extraterrestrials. One of my clients, he talks about it. He has really severe anxiety, but he believes in extraterrestrials, which and there might be some truth to it. But at the end of the day, when we talk about anxiety, once again, it's just that fear of trying to escape the present moment. And once you can really just be okay with yourself and accept your reality for what it is lower your expectations and really just be in the moment, then you can really just be able to tap into your full potential. 
Absolutely, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I think learning to be in the present for me was one of the most important things I learned when I was dealing with OCD and anxiety. It was, you know, because so often I was in my head and I was thinking about things and ruminating and constantly kind of churning over things, not realizing that this is, you know, the, the absolute opposite of what I wanted to be doing, which was, you know, to learn how to be a bit more present. Um, yes. Yeah. So, so how would you, how would you recommend people to be a bit more present? Are there some specific techniques that people can start to use to help them with that? Yeah, that's a good question there, Robert. I mean, uh, being more present, first of all, you have to, somebody has to really know what the present is. And some of the techniques to be present are so simple, people don't don't even realize it. Yeah. And they don't even do it. But I mean, once again, the most way to be present is always just paying attention to your breath. But it's hard to pay attention to your breath when you're, you know, running all over the place, when you're, you know, when your mind feels like a highway, we really want to try to get you to make your mind feel more like a, you know, a one-way street that's just very calm and peaceful. Yeah. But most of the time in modern day Western civilization, you know, we're just going so fast and we're out of tune with our heartbeat and our, our temperature and our breath rate. We, we don't even know what a present moment is. We're just trying to rush around so we can, you know, be able to do this for the next day or thinking about yesterday. So some of the techniques, you know, what I've been doing recently is having some of my you know, adolescent or young adult patients just simply put their hand over their stomach. And I simply tell them, just pay attention to how your stomach, you know, moves up and down, you know, don't even focus on breathing sometimes. Yeah. Because, you know, you can do the, the Wim Hof breath techniques, but, you know, you don't want to do it all day long. You know? <laughs> <Not nice>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can do it for 15, maybe 30 minutes tops. But I mean, then, it's good, like how you said earlier before we started, a good way to start off your day. So then your your you know your body's like, okay, this is how we should breathe, and then it kind of just takes that on. But really, you want to kind of just let go. That's the main way how to be in the present, and it's easier said than done. You know, I'm learning along the way as well. I am not perfect, but you want to really learn how to let go of what you think you should be doing, <laughs> and just yeah. really except what you are doing there in the moment you know so if you you know for example you don't like the fact that COVID-19 is here and maybe you're unemployed but you have to really just accept your reality and realize this is my reality right now how can I make the best of it absolutely yeah yeah and it's an ongoing work no it's not you don't you don't suddenly like arrive at a place where you know, now you've done it, you're, you're present and, you know, you're not going to experience anxiety anymore. It's like some days are easier than others. Some days you're able to kind of, you know, to, to be present, to focus on your breath and to kind of go through your day without fighting with the thoughts. And other days it's a lot harder for some reason. Oh yeah. It's a lot harder. And some of those reasons can be is because people are doing anxiety, you know, and what that really means is, you know, people are, you know, when somebody has anxiety, all anxiety is is just a sequence of behavior. So different ways how, you know, that sequence, you really want to be aware of it so you can be able to, you know, disrupt it and just stop that sequence. And some of those sequences of behavior are just, you know, kind of like a linguistic, you know, kind of pattern of uh, using words like, well, what if this happens? What if I get COVID-19? What if I lose my job? What if my wife uh, cheats on me? Like, so you just have these words. And if you say what if too many times, you know, you could give yourself a panic attack, you know, and yeah, that's yeah. what some people do. And then even other ways how people generate anxiety is somatic, you know, which is kind of, you know, there in the body when, you know, maybe you're holding your breath. You know, I was talking to, uh, you know, one of my friends and I, you know, I told her, I was like, hey, uh, do you realize that you're holding your breath? You know, do you realize that you're holding your breath? And I remember even talking to my other uh, clients and I told them, I said, hey, uh, do you realize you hold your breath? And holding yeah. your breath, let alone, could give you a panic attack, too, because you're not getting enough oxygen. And uh, and that's even another conversation just with the whole face mask, you know, that limiting oxygen to our brain. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. So 
have you found like some of your clients experiencing panic yes. attacks maybe from from that yes he's he's 12 years old he he actually has ocd and you know severe anxiety and you know the mom you know was in here about three weeks ago and talks about how he doesn't like wearing a mask because he uh you know will get a panic attack and even myself i find when i wear the mask yeah like one of those uh really heavy duty ones it's yeah. hard to breathe it's very hard to breathe yeah. especially in the summertime exactly I was, I was about to say the other day i was on a on the train going into the center of town and it was really hot you know it was boiling and oh, it was man. really humid as well you know massive humidity and so you, you have to wear the mask everywhere you go now. And uh, so yeah, I, I was I was on this train and I could feel myself struggling with, with the heat and with the breathing through the mask. And it was, you know, like, obviously I, I didn't have a panic attack, but I did feel that kind of surge of anxiety of, and that question came up in my head, like, what if you had a panic attack now? Um, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> I, I think I could deal with it these days if I did, you know, like from, from all my experiences. But it was, you know, the, the thought was there, you know, and it was uh, so I, I can really see how some people may be suffering with that right now. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of people are suffering from so many different things. And the face mask, you know, are helping to protect people. But at the same time, they're causing people to have anxiety. They're causing people to breathe in the extra carbon dioxide that you know our bodies emanate when we breathe so now there's even some health risk of wearing the mask too long you know just kind of breathing in your own you know uh toxicity and whatnot because that your mouth you know lets out a lot of toxins and when you're breathing that in all day i mean that alone could give you you know symptoms of COVID 19. but yeah. once again with the anxiety and panic attacks like uh there was a client and you know she very fearful of having another panic attack and you know i told her i said hey don't be afraid of having a panic attack because sometimes those you know breakdowns are really just breakthroughs and yeah. once you can really just realize hey maybe you do need to have this panic attack so then you can be able to really just relax but sometimes mm -hmm. you know a lot of anxiety happens because you're trying to not you know have something happen <laughs> you see you're trying to you're trying to control so really yeah. a simple way to look at it because i'm really believe in simplicity being the highest form of sophistication yeah and once you realize that you can either let go or control you know love or fear that duality and when you're dealing with anxiety ocd you're really trying to control your reality and the more you try to do that, the more symptoms you'll get for anxiety, depression, you name it. The more you try to control things, you're really operating from a fear, from a place of fear. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, yeah, once you can let go, you can really operate more in a love space. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think um, a big part of that, I mean, I often tell my, my clients actually is, is mindset is so important with these kinds of things. And if yeah. you can, if you can have the mindset, like you were just saying there, kind of like you know, it's quite possible that a panic attack might come up today, you know, or it's possible that like you know, like intense anxiety might come up uh, during yeah. a presentation that I have to do, or wh whatever it is, you know. But to remind yourself that it's okay if it does, if that does happen, it's okay, it, and it might, it might actually happen. And when you have that mindset. It's like you're no longer, you know, you're no longer trying to run from it. You're no longer pushing it away or trying to avoid it. You've exactly. reminded yourself in the morning that it might come up. And if it does, you'll deal with it. Um, exactly. And I had a teacher, a professor from public speaking. He always, you know, taught us. He said, it's okay to have butterflies. You just want to have the butterflies fly in formation. <laughs> so it's, it was kind of cool yeah, and all this yeah. stuff for me. you just want to it's all right to have butterflies that's all right you, it's okay to have a panic attack you might have one but maybe just try to figure out how you can manage it so it won't be embarrassing or you know just just be okay because once you can realize okay the butterflies are going to come let me see if i can just try to figure out how we can try to get them aligned you know in that mm -hmm. way you'll just feel a lot more you'll you're letting go you know you're not trying to stop the butterflies from flying but you're just like all right well let me figure out how i can just manage them better because 
butterflies are actually good for the environment and they actually are good for for you to have because you know if, if all of our clients their robber didn't have anxiety they wouldn't come in for treatment you know yeah. there would be nothing really pushing them to be like man i need to get help let me call robert let me call chris yeah but nothing would really be pushing them to they'll just stay at home and you know watch tv or whatever it might do and they'll be it's almost just like if somebody's dealing with uh you know they're addicted to alcohol and if somebody doesn't believe that they have a problem they'll just continue to continue their behavior that maladaptive behavior but once somebody is realizing maybe the doctor says hey you know your liver is gonna you know your liver is really messing up you should stop drinking oh man i need to do this because i have kids i have a wife i need to that anxiety comes and like okay i need to go to these aa meetings i need to go see robert and talk to him to get some help maybe for my anxiety so yeah. I can stop my addiction. Yeah. So anxiety is actually can be a good thing, but like how you said, it's a mindset. You know, how can you use this anxiety energy to uh, help you with your purpose? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think it's uh, it's 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 so important. You know, like um, I think every every actor could attest to what you just said. You no, know? it's like if you're an actor, particularly a stage actor. You know, like you, you're in front of your audience, you, you're under quite a lot of pressure to perform. And, you know, if you have the wrong mindset, that could destroy you. You know, it could, it could, oh, turn, yeah. you know, you could worry about it constantly beforehand and you could make yourself feel sick, you know, and it could then yeah. impact on your performance. However, like you just said, if you can get those, those uh, butterflies to fly in formation, uh, I love that. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Professor, I can't. Yeah, my professor, he told me that. And I was like, oh, wow, that's awesome. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was really cool. And, you know, this is kind of what you said about the acting. I think I remember, I don't remember what, if it was on your website or Instagram. I think, didn't you say you used to do comedy or improv or something like that? Yeah, I did. I did improv. Um, yeah. And you, yeah. How was that? Because I know even maybe the first time you got on stage, like I know I I did stand up comedy just for like a few times. Oh yeah. And yeah, just like kind of open mic night, you know. But uh, one of the times I did pretty well. But this the funny thing was the first time I went, I really you know I killed it. But oh, the yeah? second time I tried to like <laughs> overthink it, and I had all this stuff written down. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna say this, I'm gonna say that. And it went bad. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, man. I was oh, like, that's I interesting. So you say the second time you kind of planned it out a bit more. And yeah, and it went bad. It went bad. <laughs> and it just, it felt horrible. And I was like, I'm, I was, and I was like, I was like, I'm not doing this again. You know, <laughs> and then I was really, it really, I, I didn't do it again after that. Because I was, yeah. really, I avoided the situation. I was like, I don't, you know, the yeah. lights started. I mean, it's very bright up there, too. The lights, and you can't see anybody's face. And I was... Yeah. I was so I was trying to control the situation. Like, how can I make these people laugh instead of oh, how can I just let it's... go? Yeah, how can I just let go and just be in the moment and just have fun? And maybe they'll laugh. Maybe they won't. You know. Uh, well, mate, full, it, full, full, full respect to you for getting up there and giving oh, it a go. Yeah. It um, was tough there. <laughs> it was tough, but I had a. Uh, it was a. Uh, what was it? It was with classmates. She was like, yeah, you should do, she said, you should do stand-up. You know, you do well with the presentation. I think, you know, you're funny. You should do stand-up. And then something, I don't know what it was. I was like, okay. And she's like, hey, the open mic night is next week. I was like, okay, cool. And I just <laughs> did it. But it, <laughs> I was just like, all right, whatever. And I made some jokes. I think I was talking about uh, one of the presidents or whatnot, how we had the same Zodiac sign and I was worried that me and Bush had the same Zodiac sign or something like that. <laughs> but it was, it was silly stuff, but you know, people laughed and they had fun, but yeah. really just trying to, just trying to let go, you know? And one thing I did is I didn't tell really anybody that I was going, I didn't invite any friends or anything like that. Cause I knew that would give me anxiety. Like, Oh, well, yeah. Like, I think that's a good idea. You're out there. Yeah. Don't tell anybody you're going. Yeah. 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 <laughs> No, it's funny because I've got um I've got a friend here in Barcelona who does stand up, and actually I did oh. uh he has he has OCD as well, so I did uh, an interview with him. Oh wow! Discussing about his experiences with stand up because he started about two years ago. And... Which episode was it? Sorry. Which episode on the podcast? I I'm not sure. Maybe like number eight or number nine. Um, 
yeah, yeah. I have to check it out. Yeah, it's quite a good one. Um, but yeah, he's he's basically talking talking about a lot of the stuff you just mentioned there. But he's like, he does it all the time. He does it like three or four times a week, you know. Oh, oh. Um, and he he absolutely loves it. But I wow. think, and he something he said to me that was quite interesting and relates to you. He said, often your your first time with stand-up comedy is often your most honest. Like it's the more yes. like the closest to the truth of like what kind yes. of comic you, you 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 could be. So the fact that you know lots of people laughed and enjoyed your first performance is is maybe an indication that you know like if you persevered with it, you you, you could do well. You wow, you're kind of give me some motivation there. Thanks. Maybe I need to try it again. I mean, but I have to wait till COVID nineteen stops. But. Yeah, but it's just going on what he was saying, you know, like, um, and he was saying, like, basically, I think the same thing happened to him. I think the first time was really good, and then the next few times after that, maybe he didn't like bomb completely, but he had, yeah. he found it a lot harder, like the next kind of three or four times. Um, but now I, I saw him perform not so long ago, like, kind of, you know, before before COVID. And he was like, you know, it was like the comedy show, like the number one comedy show in Barcelona. Oh wow! And he was wow. the best. He was the best comedian there. I thought. Well, obviously, That's maybe awesome. I'm, I'm his friend, you know. But uh, he was genuinely. He got the most laughs. People were were laughing a lot. Um, that is that's awesome. Yeah. So if I come out to Barcelona, I'll have to definitely see him perform. Yeah, man. Cool. <laughs> yeah, man. Do it. Yeah, awesome, man. I really want to get out there and. You know, even when we talk about, you know, you know, flying, you know, a lot of people get anxiety from just flying or, you mm. know, going to a place they haven't been or especially maybe even going out of the country. And, you know, some of the kinds of anxiety that, you know, we we have to remember, like if anybody who's listening right now who's dealing dealing with anxiety or maybe somebody who's listening, you know, knows somebody or a loved one who has anxiety, you know, it's really important to realize is that they are be you know, pretty much generating the, their own anxiety. And once you realize that you are generating the anxiety, then you can stop it. You see, so then you're generating that, those anxieties based on, you know, once again, those sequence behaviors, patterns that you're doing. Maybe you're hanging around other people who are very nervous, who, you know, are just, you're kind of playing hot potato and just passing on each other's anxiety and fears. Yeah. If that's the case, you should not hang out with people who, give you more anxiety or uh, maybe even co-workers, you know, whatnot. But one of the main things I feel like is visualize, you know, when people are Im imagining uh, the worst case scenario, you know, and they're putting themselves into a negative reality that uh, isn't actually happening. You see, so it's almost like if you, you know, have this fear of, oh, okay, if I go to the store, Somebody might cough on me. They might have COVID-19. I might get it. I might get sick. I might lose my job. I mean, like you're going through this whole like negative reality that's not even happening. But in reality, you're just maybe just there in the car. And, you know, if you if you really visualize all that, you know, that alone could give you a panic attack. So once again, really being in the moment, accepting your moment, realizing okay, this is what's going on now. If that were to happen, you know, how can I navigate that situation so that won't happen? So once again, you know, I remember, I think uh, Will Smith, he, uh, he said in one of the movies, After Earth, and he said, he said the difference between fear and anxiety, or he said, you know, fear is a danger, you know, and then anxiety is more of like, I should prepare for this danger in case it happens. I don't remember the exact quote, mm. but it was along the lines of just pretty much like, you know, if I see a lion, you know, that's danger. That's a dangerous thing, you know, but if I'm in inside of my uh, house and I see a lion, you know, that's not a real threat on my life. That give, can yeah. give me anxiety. I should prepare, but I'm not in immediate danger. So fear is real, but anxiety is more of an illusion. Yeah. And once you realize that, you know, you can really kind of just be in that uh, present moment. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So much of it comes down to 
you know, educating yourself on these things, then finding out about them and, you know, applying, applying some of the skills you're talking about, practicing them, seeing how they, how they work for you. And, you know, and then that's, you know, you can find out so much from, from doing that. Um, and so, yeah, I, I really, I really think that kind of education is, is a really important part of it as actually being, being, you know, having been a teacher for, for years myself, I'm kind of surprised in a way that, you know, today we don't really tell kids about kind of mental health issues, oh, you know, yeah. about how to, how to deal with these things. I mean, imagine yeah. how, how good it would be if, if in oh, schools, you know, young people be... were le learning about this stuff. Yes. I used to work at a, a middle school. And that's what I, I remember. I talking to the principals, like, you know, why isn't there emo, emotional management classes, you know, to regulate people's mood and emotions? You know, emotional management and intelligence is very important because how can a math teacher teach math if you have, you know, kids in there who are anxious or if kids are standing on the table acting out? So most of the teachers in public school, well, at least here in the states, as you know, our school systems suck. Uh, most of the teachers are just dealing with how to modify behavior so the so the kids can sit still and you know be able to learn. So a lot of it is just kind of like, well, how can we manage these kids? And you know, how can we deal with their behaviors, whether they be fighting or you know not coming to school? And you know, they I really agree with that. They should really teach. That should be a core elective. You know, emotion management regulation you know, how to manage your emotions one-on-one, -on -one. you should take that class all the way up until college, just yeah. like how you do with math. You should really understand that because if you can't manage your emotions, you're not going to be able to manage anything else. How can you manage to do your homework assignments? How are you going to be able to manage to be able to take three exams the same week for finals? You know, if you yeah. can't manage your emotions, how are you going to manage your finances if you can't manage your feelings, if you're just, you know, buying everything you see on Instagram because they just listened to your conversation that you had the other night with your friend. And now they know that you're really into like yoga. So <laughs> now they're advertising <laughs> yoga stuff to you, Yeah, you know? So management, yeah. emotional management is key. I think they should have it in every school, but the thing is, is they don't. And it kind of worries me to why they don't have stuff like that in school. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's uh, it's a problem, man. And you know, earlier we we were also talking about social media and some of the issues that you know young people are facing with that. With you know, not only kind of you know worrying about appearance and you yeah. know the number of likes they get on posts, but but also kind of online bullying and and that kind of thing. Oh, goodness. oh yeah, cyberbullying is real. You know, I had a patient. He came in for intake and he talked about how he you know, made a post on Instagram and about how he was going to kill himself. And then he said, you know, the reason why he was going to kill himself was, you know, different, you know, you know, breakup and whatnot. But the main thing he said what really made him, you know, make the attempt, he said, nobody liked the post, you know, nobody commented on it or anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he was just, he really felt even more like, well, nobody cares. So let me go ahead and cut myself. You know, so it was like, yeah. now it was like validating the fact that, okay, nobody cares about me. I made a post hoping that somebody would say, hey, don't do it. But now you make the post and now nobody says anything about it. It's like, well, now how, how does that make you feel now? So social media has really, it's so interesting, you know, and see social media, it's, it's made people, it's really born. I mean, like, once again, if you look at these Facebook uh, former, you know, presidents and executives, they'll talk about how, you know, it's used to make people feel envious of one another, because when you feel envious or when you have these fear-based emotions, you're more likely to stay in tune with the app. So if you're into advertising and, you know, you know that there's, I don't know, maybe 200,000 people viewing Instagram, this Instagram page at this time, you want to advertise around that. You want to advertise on YouTube videos that a lot of people watch because that means there's a lot of attention. And wherever uh, 
your attention goes, energy follows, and if energy follows, you can monetize that. So yeah. we know, just like in the news, more people are, you know, attracted to fear-based news. You know, murder, uh, just even our television programs we watch. We like to watch conflict and drama and all this negative stuff some people like to watch. So with social media, it's the same thing. You know, when you have this fear-based emotion, like, okay, well, let me post this picture because I feel this way. And it's really just, you know, when you just look and look at it, you know, social media, how healthy is it? How healthy is it? And yeah. who, benefit, who benefits from your, uh, <laughs> your mental illness of being on Instagram all day? Who benefits okay. from that? Yeah, so so some big advice there from you, it sounds like. So to, to help us to manage anxiety in general, limiting time on social media is, is definitely going to help. Oh, yeah, I would, I would, you know, I, t I try to tell a lot of my clients to really reduce the amount of social media. And that goes for YouTube as well, because, see, you know, I'm, I'm on YouTube a lot. I like watching videos and like to learn and I like to just, I like YouTube. And YouTube's the same thing, you know, just just technology in general, you know, just looking at a screen can give you anxiety alone because it can just make you feel it just it just is not really healthy for your eyes. It can make your body tense. You're not really too aware of your posture. You're not really too connected with uh, nature. And yeah, you really want to kind of get connected with nature. I know you, you really like the outdoors and whatnot. And yeah, I really tell a lot of my clients like, hey, make sure you're getting some sunlight, make sure you're getting uh, some good air where cars are not, you know, driving. Because if a car is driving by the park, you know, or if you're walking on a street where cars drive, that air is already toxic. So you want to kind of get into an environment where you don't hear much cars, or if you do, they're very distant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. I totally agree. I mean, like uh, you were talking there about connection, you know, and maybe disconnection. And I feel that that maybe maybe kind of social media is is partly that you, you get this sense of disconnect. You feel somehow like, you know, like you're connecting with other people online and you're, you know, whatever you're you're kind of communicating with people or posting on things. And but somehow there's also a disconnect there, because although it's you yeah. are somehow connecting with somebody it's not a healthy connection you know somewhere right it can be it, yeah. yeah and it's not healthy because it's synthetic it's yeah. a synthetic connection and yeah. even like here in on the planet as you see things are becoming more synthetic and you know some people even believe that you know there might be there's an agenda agenda to for humans to be more synthetic. I mean, even look at us on, on our phones and, and whatnot, like we're pretty much walking sideboards. You know, <laughs> our phone is connected to us, even though it's not yet in our body, which is not yet in our body, it's on us all the time. My phone is in my pocket right now. Yeah. And then, <laughs> you know, like it's connected to us all the time. So now you have these Apple products and whatnot that say, well, Apple Watch. So slowly, they're trying to get the, the these tech these technology closer to our bodies. So then one day when they say, hey, why don't you just put the chip inside of you? It's not really, you know, that abnormal because you already got your watch on you that can tell you. You already got your Bluetooth headphones that are already getting close to you. So why not just put your phone inside of your arm so you can see it all day? <laughs> you know, yeah. and so it's just like. You know, maybe 20 years from now, it just, you know, the kids are like, oh, yeah, well, that's all right. Like, you know, the phone is on my pocket all the time. I'm tired of losing it. Why don't I just put the phone just, why don't I just get a phone implant? It's funny because <laughs> Elon Musk was talking about this, exactly this the yes, other day. Yes, 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 Elon. And he, yeah. Elon Musk, Bill Gates, they all talk about their fear of an advanced AI. You know, they yeah. Elon Musk, he's talked about it. And I think we should listen to these people like Bill Gates and Elon who are saying they're anxious about, you know, artificial intelligence and, the you know, the harmful effects of what that could look like when you see movies like Terminator. We should listen to him. And he's talked to, uh, you know, multi like presidents and, you know, whatnot about it, but people just blow it off. But, I mean, I would listen to Elon if, if I was somebody in power, because I think 
you know, what he's saying, you know, it's really, it can be a reality. I mean, if this technology becomes, which it's already more advanced than, you know, us, it, it knows everything. It knows what we like. I mean, imagine if Siri was an actual walking person, you know, that could be. And once again, when I talked about earlier, earlier, all technology is born out of warfare. So they're already trying to find ways how to, you know, make a, you know, some kind of weapon. You know, everything is like, how can we make a weapon? Because the state of our planet is very fear based. It's like, how can we protect what we have and make sure nobody gets it? And that fear-based emotion, let alone, makes society operate from fear. And then when society operates from fear, you operate from fear, and then you yeah. get anxious. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're, I think you're spot on. You're right on the money there. You know, we live in a fear-based society, and that's probably a big part of the reason why we're seeing this, you know, a, like a epidemic really with anxiety yeah. problems. Uh, I really do think that's a, a big part of it. And you were talking earlier about kind of, you know, tuning more into, you know, more into love, because when we get into that kind of mindset, obviously, that's the opposite of fear. And, you know, we can learn to be more accepting and more kind to ourselves. And, you know, uh, as, as, as difficult as that can feel, sometimes it's a really worthwhile, uh, you know, goal to have. Uh, some people kind of almost get put off when you say, oh, you know, you need to start tuning into like, you know, love, not fear, uh, you know, because maybe that sounds right. a bit cheesy. It sounds a bit kind of. Right. And, and it does. It does. Yeah. But, you know, one of the reasons why it sounds cheesy is because it's just not really we're not used to it. You know, once again, our society yeah. is used to fear and weapons and stuff like that. So when people say, oh, this sounds cheesy. And, you know, once again, I work with I work with kids. I work with adolescents. You know, I they say, oh, I'm breathing. That's uh. I'm not going to do any breath work. That's stupid. And I'm like, well, you're, you're breathing all the time. Why not just really try to, once again, try to get those butterflies to fly in formation? Yeah. You know, so, you, you know, I'm, why not do something that if it is cheesy, it could also help you. <laughs> you yeah. know, if it's cheesy, it could help you. So how cheesy is something that's beneficial to your mental health, you know, and once again, you know, when somebody's like, oh, well, that's cheesy, it's just their fear of what other people are going to think. Yes. You know, and that's anxiety <laughs> right there because it's like, oh, that's cheesy. I'm not doing that because if I do that, I'm not going to be accepted. And yeah. I want to be accepted because, you know, I'm a teenager and I want for people to like me, you know. But if uh, you have these celebrities, if, you know, started doing it, now it's cool. You know, just like now, yoga is a cool thing to do, right? Yeah. But yeah, yeah, if yoga's you were to, yeah. yeah, yoga's cool now, right? And there was a time when it was like, oh, you're that's weird, and <laughs> we're not going to yeah. accept that. It's yeah. cheesy. And now it's just like, you know, you have people talking about mindfulness all the time, and now they have evidence-based mindfulness interventions, and yeah. But yeah. all this stuff has been around for thousands of years. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why it works so well. Um, yes. Yeah, I, I really feel I really feel like we sadly we're becoming more and more of a cynical society. Um, mm -hmm. And and part that's part of the problem. Um, but happily, like you were just saying, at least there are like some of these things that are happening, like yoga becoming more popular and mindfulness. You know, every every year that goes by, mindfulness becomes even more popular and you know, because it's so helpful, because it's so useful. Um, so yeah, I think we, it, it is the the antidote to this cynical society that we seem to be living in sometimes, is oh, to to focus in on some of these these skills like mindfulness. Mindfulness, uh, any kind of thing that's going to connect you to your breath, connect you to your body, because a lot of the time when we talk about anxiety or any kind of mental illness, it's just you have to. Ex you have to get out of your head and get back into your senses. Yep, absolutely. And once you can, once you can get out of your head, which is really hard for modern men to do because we're always thinking, and the, that's the problem sometimes is that we think too much. Just like how I talked about when I did my uh, the stand up the second time, I was thinking about how to make people laugh, you know. And then when I did that, it, 
I didn't make anybody laugh, and then they gave me anxiety. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so really, sometimes, and it sounds kind of like, well, how do you just stop thinking? Well, you don't really stop thinking, but you just stop really paying attention to it. You know, it's just like, okay, well, there's clouds, but you know, you don't need to pay attention to each one. They're just gonna pass by. Yeah. So how can you really just once again let go? I really feel like letting go and holding on is really, you know, what I always try to let people, you know, is that duality there, letting go and holding on, love and fear. It's really that simple. It's the on and off, the zero and the one. Like, cause all this all computers are based off of zeros and ones, ons and offs. Yeah. And it, once you can realize that letting go is way more powerful than holding on, yeah, you'll be able to have less anxiety. You'll be able to have less less uh, health issues. You'll be able to have even more money, because I mean, millionaires would tell you, you know, they let go. They'll they'll spend a couple, you know, twenty thousand dollars on a real estate. They'll let go, and then what happens is when you let go, you get back. It's all about the law of exchange. Yeah. It's like when you breathe out, you automatically just breathe in. You see? Yeah. And what I do, too, in my clinical practice is I tell clients to focus more on exhaling than inhaling. Because once you just exhale all the way out, you'll inhale perfectly. But if you focus too much on inhaling, you'll end up, you know, sometimes just holding your breath. But, you know, I, I kind of do that. And then if they do really well at it, then I might even introduce them to Mr. Wim Hof, you know, and maybe, you know, show them some breath work that he likes to do because I'm really fascinated. And, and I, I think it's cool that you uh, you said you were able to go to his house. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty, pretty entertaining. There's a whole bunch of us there who are doing this course. And uh, wow. yeah, it was a really, really interesting day. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. if you, um, do you have any, any kind of like, if you were going to give one piece of advice to people who are struggling with, with anxiety, what would it, what would it be? One piece of anxiety, I'll let them know to realize that you are not a victim to your anxiety. You know, you can be able to become, you can rescue yourself. You can save yourself from this anxiety. I'll let them know that, uh, you know, once again, to let go, accept their present, their present moment, accept the reality for what it is now. You see, whatever you're going through, because once again, anxiety is just when your mind is living in the future. Yeah. So if you can get your mind to live in the present, you know, you'll be okay. Now, if your mind is living in the past, then you'll get symptoms of depression. But if you can get your mind to live in the present, you'll be okay. And one of the best ways to do that is to express yourself, just to express yourself so you don't depress yourself. And one of the best ways to do that is to have more fun, you know, do more things that you are really interested in. And you won't even worry about anxiety, you know, because I had a client, you know, he was really anxious you know, about talking and whatnot. And he started talking about his favorite video game. and he didn't even realize how much he was talking just because he loves this game. And once you can really just tap into of the fun, you know, that kid like nature, you know, I would tell to answer your, your question, I would tell people to be, be more like a kid, you know, yeah. be more, yeah. be more, be kid like, be like if you're four years old. I mean, my son, he's four and he's not worried about what anybody thinks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's he's amazing. Oh, yeah. He just runs around. And a lot of the time, because I work with parents, too, a lot of the time the parents, when their kids act up, it's more the fear of what are people going to say about me? Am I a bad parent if my kid's running around the store? And let alone, you know, a lot of the anxiety from parents is, are people going to say I'm a bad parent or is the state going to take my kids away from me? And that there's a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety of what other people say. So, in simple terms, to answer your question, be be more like a kid, accept your reality, let go, and most importantly, make sure you're eating foods that are, you know, helping you to let go. Mm. Yeah, healthy healthy eating is a big a big thing, no? That's a topic we'll have to do a whole another show. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a massive one. 
Yeah, that's why I didn't bring it up to later because that, that's a big one there because if you're eating foods that are more lighter, yeah. like literally lighter in, in weight or you either uh, lighter, like they're getting actual light, hmm. you'll be able to feel lighter. And when you feel lighter, you'll be able to let go of things. So yeah. if you're eating foods that are more heavy or that are synthetic or that come from a box, you know, you're going to have, you're going to just feel more heavy. And if you feel more heavy, you might, you know, you won't really realize that you're holding on to a lot of other emotional baggage. So uh, just trying yeah. to figure out how to let go. That's a really interesting area, actually. Maybe we could do another podcast sometime on, on that. Yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time. It's been absolutely fantastic talking to you and uh, hearing oh, about yes, yes. Yeah. Remember, if you want to know more about me, you can check me out on Instagram, Robert James Coaching UK. You can go and join the Facebook group if you like, the Robert James Coaching uh, Anxiety and OCD Support Group. And also you can check out my website, www.robertjamescoaching.com. Many thanks. And now just a quick reminder of my disclaimer. Any information that you view on my website, Instagram page, Facebook group, or anywhere else online, or any information that you listen to on the podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for actual medical or mental health advice from a doctor, psychologist, or any other medical or mental health professional.